1992, Dr. Dre's first solo album, The Chronic, dropped, and the world was never the same. The persistent bass was just the right background for cruising in your 6'4 Impala or your big brother's 1990 Accord, depending on your situation. The Chronic sold 3 million copies, had three top 10 singles, and brought rap out of the dungeon of late night MTV. Almost 30 years later, it still holds up as music to irritate the guy next to you at a stoplight. So we drove slowly around Las Cruces listening to it again, and now we've got some 40s of King Cobra malt liquor to sip on while we tell you what we learned. Grab some brews and let it ride. It's time for episode 12 of Toasting the Classics, The Chronic. Rolling. Welcome. We're rolling. All right. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, the podcast where we read, watch, or listen to a classic. Present and the then classic. Present the that? classic. Yeah. And then uh, drink a drink related to that classic. And um, decide whether we're going to toast it or not. If we toast it, it's right. something we both agree is definitely a classic. It's worth toasting. It's worth you going out and seeing or reading or hearing. or We don't have to whatever. both agree. You could just fly in the face, like if I'm like if for yeah. this one because I chose this. You could sure. tell me, you know, you know what? Screw you. This is this is no good. <laughs> right, right. So it's really up to the foisty in uh, this case. So that's right. And I'm I'm Clint Lanier, Dave MacArthur. That's right. And uh, and 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 welcome. We are. What are we? Uh, what are we considering today, Dave? We are presenting the classic 1992 album, The Chronic, by Dr. Dre. Okay, and whose pick was this? This was my pick. <laughs> this right. is for free choice. It's the first time we've done an album. We're not going to be doing any samples from the album. We're just going to be talking about yeah. it. So get on Spotify or whatever you got. Amazon, it's all available. It's available everywhere as far as I know. So, right. uh, And probably you've heard it, right? You, I mean, that's you, the point you've of choice. Unless heard, you're heard at least under the age one, of 30, yeah. you've pretty much heard this You've heard at least one before. of these, these songs. Why don't you tell us why you, you chose this? Why did I choose this? I chose this because, A, I wanted to do an album at some point, yeah. and B... This was just a great album, um, a big part of my life when I was a kid. You know, this is how I became a gangster, just for, <laughs> just by being inspired right. by this. This is why I drank 40s all the time. And That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I still drive a Chevy 6.4 like like Impala. I like your gangster Harry Potter shirt. I was thinking yeah. it's very incongruous, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. I went into the store today to buy the drink for today, uh -huh. and I'm wearing my Hermione T-shirt <laughs> and buying a couple of <laughs> Fodies and just getting a lot of looks. Is oh, that what we've got? Up. We're drinking 40s? Yes, wow. we're drinking 40s. Well, I, I announced that in the outro yeah, for the last episode. It's not okay. a surprise to the listeners. All right. Uh, might be a surprise to you if you're not paying any attention. <laughs> um, I was sort of hoping it was Remy and Soda Pop. Remy and Soda Pop. I yeah. thought about Tanqueray, but yeah. Tanqueray gets mentioned more on Doggy Style. Right. Yeah, it's Gin less, and Juice. Yeah, yeah Gin and Juice. Yeah. yeah, so which may happen at some point. Yeah, maybe. Not soon. We don't want to turn this into a gangster music podcast. That we, You and I would be an awkward choice <laughs> for that podcast. Um, why don't you why don't you? Although we do bring an outsider perspective right? like we talked about in Akira, yeah. so that, that's a possibility. Take us take us back to your childhood for a minute. I'm trying to picture a young Dave. Take me back to, yeah. So, so you grew up where? I grew up in northern Virginia outside of D.C. Okay. Um, it's a pretty, pretty urban area, pretty rural um, area? It's urban compared okay. to here. Like we yeah. had the train. We could get into the city and okay. stuff like that. Uh -huh. Um but not urban in the euphemistic sense that people mean when they're talking about like uh, like African American culture. It was right. not not urban in that. No, sense. I was just I was just we talking. Were, we were city. in a metropolitan area. We were a city yeah. place. Yeah, okay. Definitely, right. definitely part of the city. Yeah, it was. Um, it's DC is kind of my milieu. You mm -hmm. know, it's where my family's stomping from, grounds, and it's my stomping grounds. Yeah, it's all my sports affiliations are DC and yeah. Baltimore in the baseball case because sure. we weren't an important enough city to have a baseball team when I was a kid. Right, so. right. Um, 
Yeah, so this so this album, mm-hmm. so we talked about this before. I missed out on NW, uh, NWA yeah. because, like we talked about with Akira and a couple other things, I didn't have a big brother to give me stuff oh, I see. Right. that was cool and edgy. Okay. You know, so NWA just missed me. And then we were old enough to get Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. Like, you just go to the store and buy it. They'd sell it to you if you were, I think, 14, 15, 16, okay. something like that, whatever I was. Let's see, 92, I was 15. Okay. So I could get this album. And we used to, so my friend had a Honda Accord. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was a 1990 Honda Accord, which to me was just like, the sweetest car I'd ever <laughs> been anywhere near. And he had he had a big brother, uh-huh. and his big brother was really into electronics, and he had these, like, sweet subwoofers. Yeah. And we used to just drive around Fairfax County. That was back in the day when you would you would thump that bass oh, and, yeah. you know, just absolutely yeah. annoy the hell I have, out of I've never had a sound system like yeah. the one this kid had when we right. were 15. <laughs> um, although the, the new car actually has pretty good, and I've been I, listening I to a lot more hip-hop yeah. since I've been driving around in a car that's got subs. In your 6 foot. It's not a 6.4. I was actually looking around at yeah. how much those cost. You yeah. could get one. You could get one. And I think living here in Crucis, if I get one, it's going to be like a low rider. And yeah. maybe even the other day, a guy went by us at the light and was like doing the, the popping yeah. thing that you yeah. can do if you have the, the suspension like that. And my daughter was like, that's the coolest thing I've <laughs> ever seen. You know, she's five. Yeah. So to, to a five-year-old, that does to look a five-year-old, really it looks cool. Pretty, well, she yeah. was right. It was yeah. pretty cool. So, um yeah, so yeah, we used to drive around, and this was one of the albums that we would that we would kick because it was the bass was very right, satisfying, right. and we did the um, we probably did the thing from Office Space. Mm-hmm. Remember the guys listening <laughs> to NWA? I was thinking that if exact put, scene. We were not the kind of guys that would like blast it at the streetlight right. to scare everybody. Right. We would go to the streetlight, and my friend would be like, "Turn it down, turn it down, turn it down." <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I was, I was, like I said, I was, I was thinking of that exact scene. Yeah, uh, when I was, when I was cranking it in my minivan uh-huh. um, before I picked the kids up and changed it to right. something else. Oh, you're just, li- okay, and, sweet. And uh, uh, I was thinking that exact scene where he slowly rolls the window up. He even starts muttering to himself. Yeah, he's doing it all quiet. Yeah, he's doing it all quiet. I'm a little more brazen these days. Like I'll, I'll keep listening to it at yeah. the stoplight, but um, my car gets some attention. So of course. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. I get guys trying to, like, like drag Right when I when I pull up <laughs> stoplights, I'm like, I'm 43, man. I'm not doing right. that. Like, it's nice to see you. Yes, you have a nice car as well. Right. Your car that's painted with four different depictions of the predator, <laughs> like with lightning bolts coming out of sure, the predator's sure. eyes. Yeah. You know, yeah. we get a lot of that uh, in this town, so it's a pretty cool a lot of road racers, cool bit of local culture. So yeah. So what about you? What was your background with this? Is this? I have no background with this. I, I never owned this album. This is the first time you heard. This is not no, the no, first no. time you heard it. Obviously. Well, it's not the first time I heard it. Right. First time I I've never owned this album. And okay. I, and I've never listened to the whole album until now, uh-huh. uh, until we did it for this. I think I've heard. I think I heard every song on here at least once and was familiar with you know many of them. Right. Um, I was thinking about this like why did this miss me. Or why did I miss it? Okay. I, I don't have, I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of rap. Uh, I think we talked about, like, uh, Two Live Crew. We did. At, at, you know, when we talked about Carlin, I think. Um, is uh, that when we talked about it? At some point. Some we're talking point. about um, uh, the parental advisory stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. That's how we got into that. So, uh, so that was, you know, that and then all, all of the kind of novelty mm-hmm. rap stuff, Sir Mix-A-Lot and, and so forth, and whatever they played on the radio. Um I mean, yeah, I, I, I think there's three tracks on this album that got heavy radio. They play. did, yeah. Uh, they did. And I don't know about whether any of the rest of it would have been actually on the radio. I don't 
I don't remember them from the radio. I do remember them from, you know, friends and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But see, in 1991. The so 1990s sitcom? What's that, Friends? Yeah. No. Oh, I see. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It seems like an unlikely place to pick up your Dr. Well, Luke Dre Perry was really into yeah, it. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Luke Perry. He may have Not been. Not Luke Perry. Uh, Luke Perry. No. Oh, no. It's Luke uh, Perry's from 90210. Matt, uh, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Yeah. Is that his name? Okay. Yeah. Not, anyway. not the Commodore who brought the <laughs> black ships to Japan. Right, right. The uh, We're all over the place. Puffy-faced guy yeah. on the on the on Friends. We can go back to... Uh, the one once, who everybody always says I act like. We can go back to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Luke Perry. Yes, we can go there. back to talk. Yeah, we go yeah. back to anyway. talking about that. You um, know, one, the, one of the meanest things anybody ever said to me was I was at this party, and this girl I knew from high school... I was talking, I told a joke or something, and she was like, you remind me a lot of Matthew Perry from Friends, or Chandler from Friends. Chandler. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, but not because you're funny or cool or anything, <laughs> just because you're a loser. Wow. And I was like, wow. Man. Wow, that is a spectacularly asinine what thing to say to able. somebody. Yeah. Golly. Seriously. She was a piece of work. But and anyway. she grew up to be a loser. You're a lawyer, so, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You dodge that bullet. Um, I have no idea what happened to her. <laughs> we'll I hope she's happy. We'll my my revenge is living well. There we go. So. No, not a vindictive bone no, in his body. not at all. Um, not so, at all. Ni- so I graduated in 19- I did burn her house down, though, well, at There the you time. go. Yeah, so. so I graduated in 1992. Okay. That's the very year. That's the very year I, right. I graduated. When this album came out in December, I was comfortably flunking out of college. This came this came out in December, December of 92? Oh, I didn't actually look up what 1992. Okay, so probably we were mostly listening in 93 then. Okay. Because yeah. it's not like I was at Tower Records waiting right, for right. the album. So like, 93, you would have, would have been listening to this. But see, right. in 1991, what happened was a nuclear bomb hit the music industry called Nirvana. 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 Yeah. Nirvana yeah. In September of, of 1991. Yeah. And that pretty much consumed the rest of the 90s for me. I mean, I was yeah. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? And then in 92, Alice in Chains came out with Dirt. Oh, all the grunge stuff all was the, the other, gr- just the other side of my coin. Yeah, immediately definitely. followed. Yeah. And I was listening to everything yeah. uh, grunge and I you know so I, I missed this when it came out um, I probably would have listened to it I, and I, I just I wasn't listening to radio anymore after that you know I was I, was I think listening to, uh, I think this specifically the track mm-hmm. nothing but a G thing yeah um, which we had this is such a long time ago that like rap was not mainstream yeah there was yo MTV raps right which was like the part <laughs> of MTV where they would right. actually play rap that sure. changed a little bit in the mid 90s yeah but um we actually still had like a like a trying like an R and B and rap station in DC WPGC, yeah. and you had to listen to that if you wanted to hear this. Okay. They wouldn't play Dr. Dre on like the rock stations. Right. It just wasn't those two worlds didn't cross. Yeah. We had an alternative rock station called WHFS, and for some reason they would play the Beastie Boys. Okay. I'm not sure what it was about the Beastie Boys that let them get played on the alternative yeah. rock station. There was something different about those guys. I don't know what it was, but. For some reason, they were allowed to be played on alternative rock, they're, and they're Dr. White, Dre. Maybe yeah, that's kind of yeah. where I was yeah. going with okay. that. Yeah, I mean, I love the Beastie Boys. Mm. Uh, they're 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 awesome, right. but that was just kind of a weird well, programming and, and choice. And another thing in '92 is Check Your Head came out. Um, right. The right. same the same year. Yeah. So I mean, there was a it was a great year for me for music. Yeah, there Check Your Head was a, that was a great album. music that yeah. came out. Um, so this just wouldn't have been on my radar at all when it when right. it came out. It wasn't something that I would I would have looked for. Um, no, this and, and oh, that's why. And and I and and radio. I mean, this little community that we live in had you know, barely exist you know had any barely had any radio right. stations i think you had like three country stations you had one rock station 95.5 you had um kind of like the pop station was one of what about university radio do you guys have that krux and we okay. did but all they played was alternative and like right like super alternative um 
Like that's a really cool resource. For, though. First, I didn't have that growing up. We first, didn't have university oh, you didn't. radio. No. Uh, first Rage Against the Machine album came out in '92, so they were playing it on KRUX. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one was big. I remember that. They had what was called uh, Crux Fest at the end of every year. It's nothing but alternative and right. stuff. So, um, the that's what I what I started that sort of di- that, that digression about mm-hmm. was that um, the sound of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard that track hit me like I was like, that's what I've been waiting. I've been waiting for somebody to mix sort of the rock sounds that I like mm-hmm. with the punk rock sound mm-hmm. and still cr- produce something that sounds like a musical song. Yeah. And it, I was just like, that's exactly what I've been waiting for right. for years. Now, there had been things like that, like the Pixies, mm-hmm. that I didn't have access to. Right. I didn't have the Pixies. So I found that out later, and I love them, but that was years later. And this was sort of similar because when I heard that track, Nothing But a G-Thing, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so much better yeah, than yeah. like the Fat Boys no, this, and stuff it, like that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the pop, uh-huh. the pop things that he throws in uh-huh, as the uh-huh. samples and and uh, into those songs, just they're catchy and yeah. like the the flow that mm-hmm. both Dre and Snoop have mm-hmm. is light years ahead of what rap was doing before right. that. It's completely different. Totally. Yep. Um, it was the same thing. I heard it once and I was like, I'm buying that album. I, I love the way that track right. sounds. Like right. I have to have that. And then it just so happens that when we got the album. The bass kicks in, I think, five or six seconds on the first track and right. does not stop, yeah. except for a couple of obnoxious skits <laughs> throughout, the, throughout the album. But the bass doesn't stop, and it's just great for cruising and, right. and, and driving around town when you have nothing better to do. Yeah, except, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great – it really is a great sound. And before that, you had um, – so I'm trying to remember, you had Criss Cross. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Which I don't hate. Um, I can still listen to Jump to, – is it Jump Around or Jump? Uh, Chris Cross's jump, jump, House of Pain is jump, jump around. around. And House of Pain came out in 92 as well. Yeah, right around the same time. Um, yeah. And what else did you have before that? You had uh, Public Enemy. You had... Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Who yeah. did... Uh, but again, hip- I couldn't get a hold of Public Enemy. Who did Hip Hop Parade? That's uh, Tag Team. Tag Team, yeah. Tag Team. Tag, tag Team's game. kind of a yeah. two-hit wonder because they have yeah, that and then there, something else. There are a lot of them. That, yeah. That's why I call like novelty Whoop, rap. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Yeah. You know, they had, they're like novelty rap songs. Um, so you had a lot of that come out before this, and then this hit, and it was like, like you said, suddenly there's a real sound to it. Yeah, like it really kind of like, came wow. together. It's the yeah. same thing I was saying about, I heard Pearl Jam first, and I, I, although I grew to really like Pearl mm-hmm. Jam, mm-hmm. my first hearing, I was oh, it's just another alternative right. rock song. But the first time I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, yeah. it was like, my, I like turned and was like, stop what I was well, doing. What is that? What is yeah. that? You know, yeah, like, we were all talking about it at school. I mean, yeah. it was just, it yeah, was yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, Gin Blossoms came out in 92 as well. Yeah, I like um, Gin Blossoms, but they were kind of yeah. just like alternative rock. They didn't really stand out yeah, the same way. I mean, they're, um, they're, yeah. They were oh. not that different because we had the alternative rock station. Gin Blossoms had a sound that was kind of like some bands like Cracker and some mm-hmm. other things like that, Camper yeah, Van Beethoven that. and things like that. Like, yeah, I can see that. They didn't really jump out right. at me the same right. way. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, good band. We had that first album. Uh, that was the same, t- Blind Melon. Blind Melon, yeah. We got Blind Melon. Mm-hmm. My buddy bought Blind Melon and uh, Gin Blossoms for a road mm-hmm. trip, and we listened to those albums on yeah. the road trip. So it must have been 92, 91. I, I, I don't know. I think I owned, like, the only – so I had, like, I'm trying to think <laughs> what rap albums I might have had. Uh, there's Beastie Boys. I had, uh-huh. uh, I yeah. had uh, License to Ill. It was, like, one of the first albums I ever had, which would have been, oh. like, 86 or something like that. 80, I got gypped on License to Ill. You know what happened to me? Huh. I, I went to an exhibition baseball game, Mets and Phillies. Uh-huh. Um, the game ended one to nothing. Mets won. Mookie Wilson slid home, stole home. Okay. End of the game. So um, the next day, I go to a minor league baseball game with my buddy, and I'm telling him, I'm like, hey, I went to this game, and I told him the story about the whole game. And 
five seconds later, this guy comes up to us and he grabs my friend. And he's like, hey, what was the score of the Mets-Phillies game yesterday? And my friend was like, it was one to nothing, Mookie Wilson, you know, stole. And, and the guy's like, good job. Like, you win a vinyl copy of License to Ill no and gave way. it to him. And I'm like, if I just kept my oh, mouth shut man. five seconds longer. <laughs> so I never had License to Ill. Ne- never, that would have been uh, the only way I would have gotten my yeah. hands on. My parents would never buy something like that yeah. for me. So I got gypped. Oh, but, that's too bad. You know, yeah. Actually, my parents wouldn't buy it either. My friend had it, and so he recorded it for me. There you go. Gave it to me. There you yeah, go. The way we used to actually do it when we were civilized. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anybody who's under the age of 35 or so, what we used to do is we used to have these things called tapes, and you could play a CD and just record it onto the tape. I don't know if it worked for vinyl. Or if you had, if you had like, a dual tape uh, deck. You could if you had a dual tape deck, yeah. That was rare, though. That was rare. But yeah, my think, friend had it. He, he had some money. Okay. So. okay. Um, but that was my first album. And then uh, I think uh, I had, I remember I had Arrested Development. Uh-huh. That was good. Um, Rest Development, actually, I was listening to them the other day, mm-hmm. and they've got the same kind of smooth flow mm-hmm. that Dre and Snoop right. have. There's a similarity, and they're really good. Yeah. They're just like a little, they're kind of like outcasts. They're like kind of eclectic. Yeah. And sort of maybe not. Well, and they're political. You know, they're, a little they're a bit. L- a lot of a political. Bit. In a, a cool way, though. Actually, actually, it's not quite as obnoxious as how I found Public Enemy to right. be. Uh, although they're good, but I mean, they were like really expressly like mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. Arrested Development tended to be like, I remember them making references to like the the trees their forefathers hung from, and I was just like, <laughs> right, I thought that right. was a cool reference. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Ella Fitzgerald, you right? Know? Right. Or is it Billy Holiday? I get Billy, I think Billy Holiday. Strange Fruit. Okay. Anyway, but you but, know, what uh, I mean. yeah, Mr. Wendell. I, I heard Mr. Wendell song. the other day. It yeah. was, it's a it's great song, song but it's, Tennessee. It's, it's a very, it's a very, yeah, Tennessee. I mean, it's a very like. You I know. challenge you to a game of horseshoes. <laughs> a game of horseshoes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but when this came out, it was all about. You know the hood and the politics uh-huh. of the hood, you know and, and yeah. We should talk about. Is, a, do you think this album's po- political? I think it's political in the sense of talking about what happens in Compton, right? What happens on the street? Okay. Political and, in the sense of depicting life in a certain right, okay. and and it is political. There's uh, which uh, which song is it? It's about the riots. Um, uh, it's one that's got the N word in it. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna um, say it, but yeah, I know which song you're talking about. Break them off some as as the yep. uh, as, as the yep. chorus, but yep. I mean. Uh, so that one, that one absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, okay, he has, sure. He samples, There's a lot of references to the riots. He sa- so, yeah. samples a lot of a lot of newscasts and basically says that they're afraid right. of us. Yeah, um, you know yeah. that when we get together, they're afraid of us and us being and get the essays you know, up as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, time to rob and mob. Right. Yep. So I mean, uh, so that's I think that's definitely political. See, the way I, yeah, I, I agree in a sense, mm-hmm. right? But I think mostly this is like a movie like. Not even like the first half of Goodfellas. Mm. It's like depicting this life yeah. that you know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, man, I'd like to drive around in a 6'4 Impala and steal yeah. VCRs and right. like, get in fights and drink 40s. You know, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. You know, I think that's what it was about because the riots that he when he talks about it, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, look how afraid everybody is of mm-hmm. us. It's not a deep political thought. That's more of like a young male aspirational, I want everybody to be terrified right. of me. It's, no, that's fun. True. it's fun to scare yeah. people kind of thing. And they also talk about just like the stuff they got in the riots. And again, it's just yeah. like, look how cool this was. Right. Which yeah, is maybe, which I think just sold like an idea. What was the, uh, what was the sublime song that talks about the riots? What was There's, that? Oh, there is one. Yeah. Um, it's on, uh, it's not on, is it 40 ounces to freedom or is it the other one? But anyway, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, about this being down effed up and, situation yeah, and these yeah, the police. Being, being yeah. down, coming on top, and yelling. There's money, a little bit of the Venn diagram the of Sublime yeah. and Dr. Dre does have an intersection. Does it really? You wouldn't think so. Their their album, Forty Ounces to Freedom, uh-huh. Forty, you know, and they're right. from L.A. Right. And they're sort of 
I think they thought they were sort of gangster a little bit. Yeah. I don't think they were, although the guy did <laughs> die of a heroin overdose. Yeah, pretty That's gangster. pretty badass. Yeah. No, just I'm, that, I'm not, not serious in that comment. But there, there's, there's an intersection there, yeah. I think, especially in Sublime's mind. I think Maybe. Dr. Dre just would have made fun of the guy <laughs> that's sublime. But, probably um, so. Yeah. But um, there, there's a little bit of a connection there. Anyway, early 90s L.A., sure. right? So Yeah. So do you consider uh, Dre an artist? I think, okay. Do you want me to define or, art? Or, or a do you want me to define or, art? I have a, a definition of art. Or a musician or? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, so my definition of art, which is a pretty simplistic one, which would definitely make him an artist, mm-hmm. is just anything you do where you make choices is art. Anything you produce where you choose. Okay. Right? Like, when you build a bridge, there are certain specifications to it. And you have to be able to get trucks over it, and it can't fall down. Sure. It has to be able to withstand the weather. Everything you do in that sense is not art. But when you start putting anything on it that you didn't have to mm-hmm. and making choices about that bridge, you're doing art. Mm-hmm. So, clearly, when Dr. Dre sat down to do this album, he made tons of choices. Right. Definitely an artist. Okay. Um, as to whether he's a musician... Uh, I think it's a bit like being a composer, mm-hmm. right? Like Beethoven okay. probably right. had some skill at playing music, but mm-hmm. mostly what he did was compose for other people to play. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I think that the choices that Dre's making and how different it is. And then again, there's also the rapping, right. which is definitely a musical form um, of a sort, kind of in between poetry and music. Does it matter that he didn't write that? that uh, actually, did he not write his own rap? No, he didn't. Really? Yeah. Huh, okay. I mean, it matters, but just being able to do it is he a, had writers. Is a he had writers come into the booth, and, and they talked about it. That's interesting. And he and they would be. It was kind of a collaborative approach. So they would they would they would uh, you know give him the the lyrics and stuff, and he would change words around and right. you know kind of mix it up a little bit. Okay. But yeah, he wasn't he wasn't. The, it changes the things a little bit for me that he's not writing his own raps, okay. but um, not not completely. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he should be. But I mean, just the whole album, mm-hmm. just the the composition of the album is mm-hmm. is pretty. Is pretty good. I yeah. mean, that's, that's definitely, I think, something that is a work of art. Putting together the choices that they made. So this would be getting to my surprise kind of early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so, when I was a kid, I was like, wow, Snoop and Dr. Dre are like musical geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who George Clinton was. Yeah. And then I realized, okay, they're just covering a lot of George mm-hmm. Clinton and the Isley Brothers and people like that, R&B guys from the 70s. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize until this listening and when I read about the album afterwards is it's not samples. And it's clear. I mean, it's obvious to me now, but it's not samples. They actually play the instruments. Right. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is that, cool. And that's my yeah. biggest surprise of going back to the right. album after so much time is to find out that, like, they had studio musicians playing yeah. this stuff. And that's that's a pretty – that's definitely an art. You right. Know, and that's composition. And th- although there, he didn't write the pieces. There's some some samples, but but you're right. There yeah, are samples. Yeah. There are samples. But, but, but like, the musicians are playing the music, though. Musicians yeah. are playing the music. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think all that's pretty cool. There's a there's a bit – I think it's Lil Ghetto Boy. Yeah. Where there's, like, a jazz flute going on for yeah, a really long right. time. And I was like, this is – a really cool and really unlikely pairing. Right. Like, I'm right. really yeah. enjoying like listening to it now. Yeah. So, um, so you like the whole album as a whole? Yeah, I, I can't think of any any of the songs I didn't quite like the the uh, <laughs> the intermission um, you know skits that you're talking about. Those were those were a bit those yeah those are odd and funny. But I got a uh, Kendrick Lamar. I was listening to Kendrick Lamar because I like him. Um, a lot of the stuff he does, but man, the skits! I was just like, well, Dre, I, pr- Dre produces. Him I know, too, I so. know. Yeah, he's discovered almost every yeah. everybody from the West Coast. Eminem anyway. and, and no. Eminem, who's yeah. not even from the yeah, West Detroit. Coast. Uh, I guess he owns everything up to the Mississippi, right? No, 
M&M's east of Detroit, Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, Detroit. So maybe everything up to the Ohio River belongs to Dr. Dre. Maybe. It's pretty impressive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> know, although yeah. that's maybe a third of the population of the country, right? Right, so right. true. <laughs> most people do live east of that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he's discovered a lot of people. I mean, obviously there's Snoop, Eminem, Tupac, mm -hmm. Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I mean, right there, Eminem, biggest selling artist of the 2000s, right. of the aughts right. of that decade. Um, so even if he just discovered Eminem, that'd be a huge right. thing. So How many Grammys does, does Dre have? He must have I don't know. a ton of them, or at least contributed to Grammy albums. Because like Eminem, Oh, I'm sure. Eminem, well, he's involved with Kendrick Lamar and Eminem. They, they both have Grammys, multiple mm -hmm. Grammys. Mm -hmm. um, Tupac, I think. Tupac won a Grammy. I don't I think. know. I don't know. But was he out of death row by that time? By the time Tupac? I'm not sure. Did you read about the whole that might not the whole, have been, That might not thing? have been death row. That might have been aftermath by the time Tupac was. I think it was death row. Okay. Because okay. what happened was. Well, it's uh, aftermath because Tupac is, I think, on. What year did Tupac die? He couldn't have been on the 2001 album. No. He died I think, before I think that. like 97, okay. maybe? Something yeah, like that. that sounds about right. But when he died, I mean, that was really, I mean, a, after he died, Death Row really didn't have any talent left. And they kind of, they, right. they kind of went downhill after that. Yeah. Um, and they had a, a notorious racket, racketeer uh, running the place. But um, you mean Suge Knight? Yeah, Suge. Murder? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that I, oh, I didn't just say that. <laughs> Don't come after me. Right. Assuming but, uh, he's still alive. Yeah, well, at least he's not driving a truck right now. But, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's how he killed somebody. That's right. Yeah. yeah boy. What else happened in the in the nineties that that would have anyway? Let's just go back to influence. I mean, this like yeah. you said, this influenced pretty uh, much all the sound after so that. So it's got its own awesome mm -hmm. sound, but also I think the timing was just right where it was starting to go out to the suburbs. Like yeah. rap was really starting to right. get to the suburbs. Maybe even just a time thing because mm -hmm. it had been around for a few years. Right. It takes white people a few years to start listening to sure. African American sure. music, and I it's kind of so. Here's a question, right? So Elvis popularized rock and roll right. because pretty much, I mean, Elvis is super talented. I don't mean to speak I know where you're that, going. Yeah. But rock and roll needed a white face. Yeah. You know, and after all these artists we're talking about, mm -hmm. the number one selling, not to say that Eminem's not good. Mm -hmm. I think Eminem was good, but he's the number one selling rap artist. Right. You know, and is, right. it, is it the same phenomenon going on? Did rap, did, did rap still need a white face in 2000? I think so. Which surprises me. Well, if you think about, you know. it, I mean, I mean, as African Americans make up about twelve percent of the population in this country, right. white people make up like 30 percent or forty, like thirty-eight, forty percent. I think your Las Cruces bias is showing it's more like seventy percent of the whole country. Is it? No. It's at least sixty. No, it's at least I think, sixty. I think it's, it's here. Here in, in this town, it's like twenty. Well, I'll say it's over fifty. I think you're right. It's yeah, over it's, fifty, it's, but it's, 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 it's still it is, a plurality. But it's getting it's getting close to being yeah. The minority yeah. based on the majority of minorities, if that makes sense at all. It's a plurality. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to be a plurality. We'll be like more <laughs> European people bias. than other things. I will but, say I was one of about, and this is God's honest truth, hand of God, like three or four white kids at my, at my elementary I'll school. I'll bet. Um, yeah. I'll bet. And, uh, but in any case, uh, it's so strange. It's, this state is so strange. And that Las Cruces, growing up, most of the people that were in authority that, that I knew or most of the people that I recognized as being authority figures mm -hmm. were Hispanic. Sure. And, but on the other side of the state in Carlsbad, where my wife, who is Hispanic, grew up there, right. exact opposite. 
majority white people, huh. and they're just really white people were the mayors and principals and everything else. It's so strange. Yeah, well, like I said, I grew up in the D.C. area. Uh-huh. When I was a little kid, I went to school in the District of Columbia, uh-huh. and all my teachers, the principal, everybody was African-American. Uh-huh. Every, like you said, everybody in a position of authority, a lot of the mm-hmm. police were, yeah. I just didn't see the world that way. Then right. you go out to Fairfax County, right. completely the opposite. Yeah. Although I still had some teachers who were, who were African-American, mm-hmm. but definitely not as many. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's just different, just kind of regional. And that's only right. you cross a river, right. you know, and everything yeah, that's changes. True. true. Here it's like the Rio Grande Valley is really the old New Mexico, yeah. a lot more yeah. established. And then people came into eastern New Mexico. Nobody would have lived there until the 1800s probably. You're probably right. Yeah. Or, or very few people, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A couple of bands yeah. of Comanche. Because they were coming up, up through this valley in the 1600s, I think. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In any case. Oh, and there's a population here before. Yeah. Before Columbus. Right. You know, we, yeah. we had people here going back to. Well, I imagine as like long as there's thousand, been human habitation in North thousand, America. thousand AD, I think. Oh, at least, yeah. at least. But there were farms and population yeah, yeah. at the stuff, time yeah. the Spaniards got here. So, but um, uh, well, my point was that if you want to, if you want to make a lot of money, you got to appeal to white people, right? And and yeah, I, think, I guess what I'm that doesn't surprise me. Right. What surprises me is that even in 2000, that those white people wouldn't buy albums mm-hmm. by a blackface. Well, like I, think, I, I think no, or I, not I, as many, I think, or not as many as they I think did it of might M&M be. Stuff. I think it might be, and I think you kind of laid a, you know, put a finger on it earlier. You know, why did that station play Beastie Boys and yeah. no African American yeah. rappers? Yeah, right. And look at MTV. You had Yo MTV Raps, so yeah. you had which was like an hour or maybe two hours, something like that. I think it was about an hour. It was like Headbangers Ball. Yeah, Headbangers Ball had a thing, on, but you know. for the mo- for most of it though, you had like pop music, right? Right. right. And I think they would they would put Eminem in the pop music slot, put Dre at the Yo! MTV Well, raps, they started right? mainstreaming rap before Eminem, though. Like, Snoop yeah. Dogg was just played on regular rotation. Yeah, you're right. Snoop and Tupac um, was. Uh, and Tupac Calif- well. California was yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So by the time, honestly, I think by the time Eminem was out, MTV was kind of past its days of relevance, yeah, at least yeah, for me. I think, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I stopped watching MTV uh, when I was in college, yeah. maybe 97, 98. Yeah, that's about like when, that I stopped when I started watching tuning it out because yeah. it was too much other content. Yeah. I used to love just putting it on and videos, you know, for yeah. hours on end and just maybe not even pay attention. Right. Like having a baseball game on. Yeah. Just like, oh, what's, oh, okay, that's, you know, right, right. do something else while or it's Beavis on. Beavis and Butthead would come on. And, Beavis and, and Butthead I could put up with. Yeah. I liked the, th- that's why it ended up happening because they had some content that actually was enjoyable to watch. Like yeah. Beavis and Butthead and Liquid Television. Uh-huh. Liquid and um, uh, what was the, oh, Real World. I watched the first couple the seasons first, of Real first World. First season of Real World. You know? Yeah, watch that. Yeah. Um, but when it took over the station, I, yeah, I that's all. They, that's all. I was, was kind of done with it. Do you remember so. uh, Spring Break, MTV Spring Break? Mm-hmm. And it would be like two or three weeks <clears> of Spring Break. I going to college when I was like a freshman or sophomore, I was like, that's all I want to do. I want to go wherever wherever there's an MTV like Spring Break. I want to go there for Spring Break. Yeah. Never did. Yeah. I did one one <laughs> little spring did. break. I, I, went, I never did. I went to Ocean City one time for spring wow. break, but it wasn't even my. I was already in college, uh-huh. and I went with some friends that were like a year younger than me uh-huh. that were still in high school, and we uh-huh. went and like had like a party for a couple of days, and that was my only time I did spring break yeah. at Ocean City, Maryland. I don't think we did so, do you want to have a tortured segue? Sure. So we were talking about the Native American population uh-huh. of New Mexico. Yeah. Dr. Dre drinks Crazy Horse. Uh, <laughs> malt liquor. Oh, he does. Um, and okay. actually, actually got some. Crazy Horse, the company that got the flack. Best, that was the best. Segue That's pretty ever, good, right? Yeah. So Crazy Horse actually got flack yeah, for yeah. having a Native American yeah, mascot. Uh-huh. That was part of it, but they actually had a lawsuit against them, and you'll never guess why. It's way more ridiculous. That I can. Okay, fine, I get that. Okay, it's way more ridiculous. The use of the word crazy. 
uh, was suggesting yes. to people that they might want to go crazy while drinking alcohol. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. was like, yeah, that's kind of the point of right. drinking a 40. No, there's, a, there, there's, <laughs> a, there's, not, a, there's a rule. This is not a um, sipping drink that you're enjoying. I think, you know? I think that the federal government has a rule, the, the Bureau of Tax and, and well, no, well, tobacco, alcohol, tobacco, and firearm. Uh-huh. So they have this rule about how you can name, um, you know, uh, ferment, any ferment, liquor or, or beer. You can't put anything in the title that would suggest like how powerful the the, the liquor is, oh, okay. uh, or how strong it is. Or what about like that. Four Loco? That I don't know. Does that still exist? Yeah, Four Loco is still out there. Okay, which has, if I remember, it's like caffeine, sugar. Yeah, I so. I've never had that. Like that. I've never had that. I'm um, too old for that. The for that there was a, it was Colt Forty Five. Uh-huh. Um, was kind of one of the first tests of that. I think back in the sixties or seventies when Colt Forty Five came out. What's wrong uh, with that? It kicks like a colt. Okay, and so they well, that's, that that's was attenuated at that, best, right? But that's what the federal <laughs> government said was that oh, they, they yeah. that they're trying to make it whatever, right? Boy, um, so yeah, so that I can see the crazy the crazy forty five. It makes you spin like a forty five record. <laughs> right. Come on, man. Yeah, um, and then I remember what was the one that uh, where the bull would come charging through the. Through the uh, wasn't that Schlitz? Was that Schlitz? Schlitz malt liquor, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, like a it was one the Lando, like, the one the Lando. Yeah, blue bull pitched, right? Blue or was he Colt forty five? I think he was Colt. He was Colt forty five. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. But all those suggestions, yeah, I can see that. So Crazy Horse doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, actually, Bummer. the first time I ever drank alcohol yeah. was a forty of Crazy Horse because we were Ugh. listening to these albums, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a friend who worked at Safeway. Mm-hmm. So my buddy just went in and mm-hmm. bought a couple of 40s of Crazy Horse mm-hmm. uh, malt liquor off of his buddy that worked at Safeway. <laughs> and uh, we went home and played Super Mario Brothers and drank a 40. That nice. Was my first experience of alcohol. Had a blast. Yeah. Um, you know, the rest is history. How drunk did you get? Uh, drinking a 40. Yeah. You know, and not, and not drinking alcohol before that. You know, I was, I was uh, you know. Not hammered, you know, but yeah, <laughs> I, had I, a good felt buzz on. I felt it. I yeah, you know, on. we were okay. having a good time. We sure. were goofing around. Sure. Uh, it was a, it was a it was pretty good time, um, so that's gone. I wanted to get OE Old English yeah. actually announced on the outro that it would be Old English. They mm. didn't have that, yeah. so I went with something a little a little funkier. Got you hear that? Oh Lord! So what? So oh my God! So we're so we're, we're, we're looking at a bottle of King King Cobra, Cobra premium, premium malt liquor. So liquor. one of the oh, wow. now you correct me if I'm wrong because sure. I'm my alcohol knowledge is pretty half aged, but that's a lot. Of- um, so one of the defining factors of malt liquor is it's a beer with pretty high alcohol content. Yeah, I mean, but not, this one not, not by today's standards anymore. I mean, it used yeah, to be right, right, it used compared to, be, to yeah. Coors or something, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. okay. Well, this still is because this says six percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is forty ounces of six percent beer. Right. I don't know if I'm going to get through that. I don't think I'm going to get <laughs> through section, it uh, because I may not be able to walk away. I got us two bottles of oh. water to go with it because um, I think Very we nice. need to hydrate because we're. Older gentlemen, we're gentlemen <laughs> of a certain age, and Speak for uh, yourself. I don't know if I'm ready to pound a forty over oh. the course of an hour-long podcast. So, do you want to know what I know about forties? I would absolutely like to know what you know about forties. So Are we cracking these? Yeah, actually, uh, not forties, but malt liquor. There we go. Oh, that? That's good that sound. Was, I hope you did that sound. near the mic. Um, so the uh, Oof, I know. Oh, that smell, smell actually brings back <laughs> memories. <laughs> smell hits you. Oh, brother! Kind of smells <laughs> like a trash can if you. Throw a lot of beer cans into it. That, <laughs> a little that bit. That smell yeah. reminds me of. Yeah, it's sort of the well, sort of the, the wart that ends up. Now, this we're gonna usually cl- my my uh, them together. my uh, wave that uh-huh. I have the sound file that I have yeah. for the glasses clinking. This is yeah. not gonna be a clink. This is gonna, gonna be, be a, a clunk, clunk or a clunk. 
Yeah. Actually, that was kind of clinky. Let's try that a little more force. There, there we go. go. Kind of far away. Bottoms up. Yeah, that tastes like malt liquor. I could drink that because it brings back memories. <laughs> kind of like the high life. It's yeah. the same thing. Like yeah. This brings malt back uh, memories of a misspent youth. So malt so. liquor started, uh, there's a, a one called, I think it was Town and Country is what it was called. One of the Town and Country is what? That's the name of a... First malt liquor. Okay, the first malt liquor. Um, one of the first malt liquors. So I think that came out, I want to say in the 30s or 40s. Okay. And it was initially marketed, marketed. to... Uh, to <laughs> it's a three-syllable <laughs> word. Right, to, uh, to or is it Country Club? It was, I think it was Country Club, called Country Club Malt Liquor. Okay. And it was sold to uh, sort of upper-class white people. That's what it was designed for. Okay. So here is a drink that is like a cocktail. It has higher alcohol and more alcohol in it, but it's like a beer. So you can drink it at backyards, you know, without having to mix up a mm -hmm. highball or something like that. So we're talking back in the days of, like, Darren and Mr. Tate and that kind of stuff and Bewitched. <laughs> mm. You gave me a weird look. You don't know who Darren and Mr. Tate are? Not by first name. When, <laughs> when, when you mentioned Bewitched, yes. Right, well, Dick York, Dick Sergeant, Sergeant York. Sorry. Yeah, I know those guys. <laughs> so Darren was always in charge of making highballs from Mr. Tate whenever he came over and stuff. And Samantha would have the, the whole cocktail tray like ready for him to assemble his martini okay. from Mr. Tate. In any case, you could avoid that. Just pick up one of these cans of malt liquor. And drink it, right? So that's what it was marketed towards, uh, upper-class white people. Huh. And so there are two theories for why it became – because what happened, what they found was that the largest uh, population by percent that was drinking it was right. African-American. So just parenthetically, uh -huh. I'd like to mention why you know so much about this specific subject is yes. the book you're working on. Right. right? So I, I wrote a book uh, called People's Beer. It's about the first black brewery president in America – um, guy named Ted Mack who uh, bought a brewery in Oshkosh, Wisconsin back in uh, 1971. Okay. And through a whole number of things, it, you know, things quickly went south for him and mm -hmm. uh, for, a, for a number of reasons. But this was, yeah, so part of the, so a lot of the research that I did for that book kind of yeah. is, is pertinent here. So, right, um, right, right. Yeah, so, so uh, what they found was that, that uh, the African-American community the number of people that were drinking it, um, the percentage of that population far outnumbered the percent of white people that were drinking it. So their marketing... No idea why that happened. Just <laughs> Well, no. Th so there's two, two theories for why it happened. One is the lifestyle theory because they were marketing it towards upper-class white people. Okay. So the... Sort of aspirational then? Yeah. So okay. all the advertising yeah, sure. uh, talked about, you know, being in a country club, you know, they're, right. they're around the pool. It right. showed all these, you know, young white urbanites kind of hanging out and doing their, doing their thing. And so there's this aspirational goal. Like, um, but then the other, other one is the theory that it's more powerful. You get more bang for your buck. Yeah, that's right? true. You get a twelve ounces. That's true. You get twelve ounces of beer at four percent, or twelve ounces of beer at six. So what's different in the brewing process that brings that? Bigger kick. Just more sugar. Just more yeah, sugar. They fortify oh, it. Yeah, typically. Okay. So what you what you do when you when you make beer is you um, like sugar added mm -hmm. or the malt yeah, itself. That's is correct. No more sugar, sugar added. Okay. All right. So when you when you make beer, you create a malt first, as you as you just mentioned. And malt is when you let the barley you, germinate. You, you malt it. So what you do? Well, I'm I'm sorry. Let me back up. So you get malted, uh, which is germinated exactly because it has higher sugar content. So what they'll okay. do is they'll take this grain, and they'll wet it down let it just get to where it's about to germinate, and then they heat it, they roast it, 
and that stops it from from going any further. But that uh, creates more sugar within that grain. And then they take uh-huh. that and they grind that down and uh, mix it with water, and then they they let it they heat it up and they let it just kind of sit there and they make a, what they call a wort. Right. And then they wort W O R T. I believe so. Yeah. And that's sort of like the mash of the stuff that's going to go into the beer. Yeah, correct. Okay. That's so that's the actual malt. You know. Um, like malted water, right? It's very sweet. It actually tastes really good. Hmm. So then you remove the grain. You know, there's from a I don't know if you, there's a, uh, a Russian drink called kvass. Kvass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is kind of like a wort. Like it's kind of like if you don't ferment it because it's hmm. not alcoholic. Yeah. And we've been on like picnics a couple of times, and yeah. some of the Russians will bring like these big two-liter bottles mm-hmm. of kvass, and I'm like, well, actually, a couple sips of that goes a long way. So <laughs> you can have that liter, right. you know. I'm glad I tasted it, yeah, you know, but I think it's kind of like a war. It might be. They used to sell it all, all the time as kind of a uh, nutritional thing. You can sell the um, malt nutrient, I think, was, was okay. kind of popular back in like the, you know, pre-prohibition. So they would sell it essentially without the alcohol, and they would market it towards women to feed the babies and stuff like that. It's, it's <laughs> did, just, your mom, did your mom buy that? Because your mom, <laughs> your mom was definitely into yeah. Yeah. giving you a sip of the old. Uh, and, uh, right. So anyway, so... Uh, so yeah, what you do if you want to make, you know, malt liquor, what they would do is they would then take this wort, add sugar to it, okay, and that would increase the. Uh, yeah, my uh, note from reading content. on Wikipedia was, uh, quote, throw a bunch of crap into the wort. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That's kind of the impression that I got. <laughs> yeah. It was just like put a whole bunch of stuff in. Pretty and much, see what comes yeah, out, pretty so. much. I think the first guy, the the first company that did it was that, uh, like I said, I think it was Country Club, malt liquor, and I think that was back in like I want to say like thirty six. It was a long time ago. Okay, but it was after prohibition. And one of the other reasons they kind of came about this, people forgot what beer was during Prohibition, right? Because right? if you're going to oh, you were telling me, yeah, if you're going to yeah, bootleg, yeah. what are you going to bootleg? You're going to bootleg rot gut, you know? Sure. sure. And uh, so people stopped drinking beer. And then after Today's National Moonshine Day, is that right? Today is National Moonshine Day as we record this. Yeah. So uh, you know, after Prohibition, they wanted something stronger. So a stronger beer kind of makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, that's where. So that's how malt liquor came to become, you know, in the African American community, because in the '60s when they figured out that these were you know, who was actually buying it. And then, then the marketing turned and it started marketing specifically for that community. Right. And then, you know, what's funny, huh. very ironic mm-hmm. is that, so you're saying, so the, the hypo- hypothesis is that originally it's an aspirational thing to p- look up p- to p- the country poten- club, the country club set. Yeah, potentially. And then what happens is Sublime is aspiring <laughs> to be like Dr. Dre. Right, so they're right. buying this stuff right. to aspire to being yeah. like part of the African American community. It became a, see, it became a, it became a cultural marker. Right, right. Because right. a couple of things, a forty ounce, these were what two bucks each, two fifty, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I paid. I, mean, they're, they're, I, I they're, paid ten dollars for what I bought, and I think most of that was the bottled water. <laughs> it was the bottled water <laughs> so, probably cost. Yeah, Aquafina um, probably cost. I, I think it was three three dollars. Okay, a pop, three bucks. But three dollars. But that's forty ounces. Let me get out my. Let me get out my calculator. You know? That's per ounce. That's a pretty low. That's <laughs> they didn't have low. one of those things next to it where it says how many. No, what you're no, paying per no, ounce. No, like it, I bought them at the pit quick. I wonder if, they ha- yeah. if Walmart has that. I wonder if you can go to look at a bottle of Jim Beam and it tells you maybe, per ounce the price. Maybe. on it. They sometimes have that on a little tag there. Yeah. Well, I know so. they have it on all the other products. So. Right. right. In any case, um, yeah. So that's that's the story. It, it's, right. it's really interesting though. In the late '80s, it became kind of a symbol of hip hop and. Mm-hmm. You know, here we are. And it still kind of is. Yeah, never... definitely. I think, um, I know Cypress Hill yeah, did Cypress not Hill. F with the big four O. Mm-hmm. That was, that was one of their uh, calling cards. Um, so, Oof. so I was saying before, I think the album's uneven. Okay. I think the second half of the album, and this is another thing I thought about doing for my big mm-hmm. surprises at the second, because it's been a while since I listened to the whole album mm-hmm. cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Second half's a little weaker. Um, let me, hold on. Fir- let me look at my. 
playlist. Yeah, the, the, fir- the first the first half of the album is like um, "Let Me Ride," nothing but a G thing, mm-hmm. um, "F with F with Dre," um, and those are just like bona fide classics. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. could just play those on repeat. Well, I think every one that you just said was on the radio. Each one of those yes. got rotated. Yeah, those are those yeah. are the big tracks. And there's a couple of the tracks in the first half that are still pretty good, but then the second half kind of devolves a little bit, I think. Like it's maybe there's a lot more um, there's a lot more filler. There was what there's one at the end called Stranded on Death Row mm-hmm. that's a really weird track. Um, I put it on I put together a mixed CD for my girlfriend when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I just chose like weird stuff. I did Ghost Town by the Specials and mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff that just kind of had a weird vibe to it. And mm-hmm. I put that on there and it fit with all this like, um, you know, like Echo and the Bunny Men type of tracks um, just because it's got a weird sound. It's like this yeah. creepy, like squealing voice in the background of the, the cell door slamming. And it's well, just, they're definitely darker. Yeah, definitely it's darker. darker. It's definitely yeah. darker. Yeah. Um, sec- I, I would say the second half is darker. Second half is darker. Like the first yeah. one, the first one, a lot of party songs, right? First half, yes, yeah, definitely. first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. second in half fact, gets, gets pretty dark. In fact, I said that we would drive around listening to the whole album. I kind of think we got to about track seven and started <laughs> over again. And it, I think that's yeah. probably more how we rolled, right. but I, I could be remembering that wrong. So I don't know. What, what's your favorite track? Uh, favorite track? Um, probably first. Uh, the first one. F okay. With, F with Dre. Really? With, with Dr. Dre. Okay. F with Dre Day, yeah. So okay, everybody's celebrating. I have to. It's hard for me to remember which track. Or, or that let me is. let I, me ride. Maybe let me know, rides let me awfully ride. good. Um, uh, nothing but a G thing. Maybe I don't know. D's nuts. <laughs> can we say that? I think we can Are say. Are we going to have to put an E next to our I think, podcast? I think now? there was a presidential candidate. Um, I, Who I believe. Said that? No, no, that was named D's nuts. What are you talking <laughs> about? I'm not kidding. Hold on. Hold oh on. yeah. Okay. So F F with Dre is. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I know all these lyrics, but I'm trying to think what the hook is. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to, wow, 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 yippee yo, yippee yay. That's like that's like a really that's <laughs> right. a classic bit. Um, so you definitely know. I, I know all of them. That's the amazing thing to me. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast because mm-hmm. movies are like this too. I start listening to these songs, and every single word comes out of my mouth like it like I just heard it yesterday. Right? Where right. is that stored? There, that's there, why I can't I remember know. passwords yeah. for anything. Because right. before we move on, okay. Dee's Nuts was a satirical presidential candidate Good Lord. Uh, portrayed by Brady C. Olson from Iowa, who ran in the 2016 United Ooh. States presidential election. See, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. Man. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's, uh, you, you know what? You hear the, the Dolomite bit in there? Yeah, I heard the Dolomite <laughs> thing. Yeah, that, that kind of made me laugh. Man, I watched, I watched a. We'd been hearing about him for years, so we got like a VHS tape of a Dolomite movie, but it was also spun with kind of some interviews by mm-hmm. him, uh-huh. and he's. <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about this movie, which is terrible, by the way. Uh-huh. Really not a good movie. And he's like, see, the only reason we didn't win an Academy Award is just because people are people are racist against this stuff. And I was like, man, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's okay. not the only reason, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Dolomite. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like, didn't Bill, no, Eddie Murphy, he he played Dolomite, didn't he? No, it was um, not Richard Roundtree. That's Shaft. It's um, Rudy Raymore. No, no, I mean, uh, he I think there's a oh. recent movie, like a biopic, Ooh, that I think Eddie Murphy starred oh, okay. in. Okay, maybe. And I think that actually was up for either Best Actor or Academy Award. Okay, that's different. Um, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he played. Yeah. I mean, he portrayed. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Him. Yeah. Maybe. I don't remember that for some reason. That didn't I really think it was. It was wasn't a big release, but it was 
apparently a critically acclaimed. Daddy, if I had nuts on my wall, would those be <laughs> walnuts? I mean, I just remember listening to that when I was a kid. I'd never heard of Dolomite. If I had I was, nuts on my chin. Would have, <laughs> okay, no, all right, okay. All right. You want me to go on? We're going to stop there, yeah. But um, I was just like, what in God's name is happening on this? You know, like, yeah. what are they, what is that? <laughs> right. I thought it was something they made up, but yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, no. No, it's a, a classic piece of 70s comedy. You got to love it. Which, by the way, the 70s stuff they sample on this. Oh, they, that's is, all they sample. But it's f- just phenomenal. Yeah. The guys, the guys that were doing R&B in the 70s uh-huh. are, it's just virtuosic. Yeah. Like a couple of times. So I do this thing where I put on my Spotify mix that's mm. every song from my entire life that I ever liked. And I'll just put it on random and mm. then I'll pause and I'll try to play the song on guitar. If I ever get one of those R&B songs from the mm-hmm. 70s. Forget Good it. Good luck, yeah. Forget it. It's 35 different chords. Yeah. It's just like, it's just phenomenal stuff. Yeah. And the, the way it comes together, and there tend to be like, um, almost like orchestral. There's so mm-hmm. many people involved right. in putting the song together. Yeah. And uh, Dre being able to sample the best bits of those songs. Yeah. Uh, now, it's I, just, w- I wonder, because it's not just him. It's also Ice Cube when he was a solo uh-huh. artist did yeah. the same thing. Um it was a good day. It's so an Isley Brothers track that's playing in the background. I wonder moment. if, I mean, how much, okay, so did they know this music or did they go fi- looking and find the music oh, for no. the sampling? No, 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 no. Dre knew, Dre knew, Dre knew the music back and forth. He had a, he had a, now they did this in a movie, uh-huh. so this is where I'm getting the image, but he had like a milk crate with all of his vinyl records okay. and it was just all George Clinton it wasn't, and like okay. I said like the Temptations all that stuff from the I think 60s his, and 70s if I remember correctly I think his dad was had a band called the Marcells that was so Dre's okay. middle name is Marcel okay. oh and I, and I think I think it was called the Marcells isn't, that, wasn't that his daughter's name daughter's yeah name? yeah he named his daughter Marcel oh also Marcel yeah. oh interesting um but I think if I remember correctly his dad had a had a like an R&B group called the Marcells okay and so he would have grown up with that, although he, so. he didn't live with his dad. But um, Oh, I think he grew up with it, though. I mean, yeah, I, I grew yeah. up with it. I was a white kid living in the suburbs, right. and I grew up listening to these, you know. Yeah. I remember my mom listening to the Commodores and people right. like that. Like, so, I mean, this stuff is pretty ubiquitous in the 70s, yeah. I think. Um, I listen to country. Yeah, no. My, my, seriously, that's what yeah, all, no, my, I, yeah, that's all my sure. parents listened yeah, to. Yeah, no, we didn't listen yeah. to country. I, well, some of the poppy. You know how the country had kind of a... Uh, Mainstream revival mm. in the in the about nineteen eighty around the right. Dukes of the Hazard years. Sure, you yeah, could hear yeah. Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton and stuff. Yeah. I knew that stuff, but yeah. I did not listen to legit country. We had one country station in DC, and I can't even remember what it was called. That's yeah. how little I listened to it. Lots well, DC WMZQ maybe. I spent summers with my grandparents, and my grandmother was in love with Hank Williams. Okay, so I got well, to hear a lot of Hank, music though. As an adult, Williams. as an adult, I've come to learn a lot of yeah. the early country, especially it's yeah. good stuff. These days. It's kind of just like pop music. Yeah, it's And there's a lot of like, terrible. you know, my although, dog and my truck. Although my, Chris you know. Stapleton, have you ever heard his stuff? Um, is he the guy that does Tennessee big whiskey? Big old huge beard. I think he does Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, there's there's good fantastic, guys. There's good people out there. Fantastic writer. Um, there's 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 people doing, it's, it's kind of old Zach country. Brown, the I stuff, think. The stuff yeah, that's good right. is all country. Like the stuff that's on the country music station today oh, is like, crap. Uh, who's that? You know, knucklehead that hated the Dixie, Toby Keith kind of crap. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah. the flag and right. my truck and, I, <laughs> you know. Well, then you have the opposite side, too, which is like basically pop. I mean, it's really not a lot, not different from pop music either. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, like so. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is just, I mean, I guess she kind of just admits she's a pop singer. Yeah, I mean, she's not really country, but her, she definitely yeah. started with a little bit of They country. actually, at the Country Music Hall of Fame, they have a entire wing called the Taylor Swift Wow. Because she donated like $10 million to it or something. Because wow. I think she grew up in Nashville, if I remember correctly. 
I and, don't think uh, so. I think she's from North Carolina. Is it something like that? But she gave them a lot of money, and they were only too happy to. Probably people screaming at their uh, name into their old. headphones right now because I'm <laughs> wrong. But yeah. North Carolina is what it seems like to me. But I could yeah, be wrong. something like that. But I do know that that they do have a, a wing, or they used to have a a wing. Well, Nashville. If you go to Nashville, mm-hmm. um, you will start liking country music. I don't yeah. care who you are, because Nashville loves country and yeah. it's the good country music. Right. And I was there, and every bar is playing it, and it's sure. just a really fun town. It's sure. just a really. Um, it is. Yeah. It turns country into what Dre is. Mm-hmm. And it makes you, you're like, man, right? That that gangster lifestyle is pretty cool, <laughs> you know, because the music's so good yeah. that you're like, this is this is a cool thing. And it was the same right. thing for me. I was walking around listening to Johnny Cash on the street, and you're like, country music is awesome, right? You know, it's just not <laughs> not who I am in any way, but right. it's just kind of appealing in a way. I want to so. be country music. Yeah, like sort of outlaw country is uh, appealing, you know, in yeah. a way. Like not so much Toby Keith, you know, not so much going down to the swimming hole, and you know, I don't know what the hell even does but you know what I mean that's not that appealing to me so this this was an appeal you know in a way but yeah, this is something I wanted to talk about so I think to some extent we always thought this was kind of um, we sort of listened to this music in an ironic way mm-hmm. right like because yeah it's sort of appealing we'd buy 40s and we'd drink a 40 and we'd be like oh we're drinking 40s sure, ha 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 sure. but we'd be like ha 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 mm-hmm. we knew this wasn't who we were right and it was kind of an ironic thing. Mm-hmm. And what surprised me years later, because I took these guys at face value. Mm-hmm. I was like, you say you're killing cops and you're doing all this terrible sure. stuff and smacking yeah. B words yeah, and yeah. stuff. And really, they're just a bunch of actors. Sort these of. guys are just regular yeah. guys that wanted to be famous and make yeah. some music. And <laughs> like Dr. Dre, like, I mean, he got himself involved in some sketchy stuff. Um, but he was on his dive team. Yeah. At his high school. <laughs> I when saw he was that. Growing up. I saw that. I went, huh? We didn't have a dive team at my high school. So where was he going? I guess it's LA. Yeah. It's warmer, but still. Right. Like, if you have a dive team at your high school, there's there's an element of, right. you know. When I, I went on a cross country road trip when I was a kid uh, with all my buddies, this is about 1997. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of college. We drove all the way across country and we got to LA and we were like, let's go see what Compton looks like. Yeah. So we like drove down to Compton. I was like, Oh, this is just like a neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> just, just a regular place. It's not even it? like the, the neighborhoods in in DC, New York, mm-hmm. Baltimore, places like that. Mm-hmm. It's like rundown row houses right. and projects right. and stuff. Like Compton and South Central is just like single family units. Right. It's really not particularly imposing at all. And right. yet you're hearing about this. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that went on. I mean there was I stuff mean, going on there that was. But I think bad, we but. talked about I mentioned it before, if I remember correctly, I think it was Ice Cube was going to design school in Phoenix. Yeah. When NWA yeah. formed yeah. and came back, and I, I mean, you say are these guys artists? That's the thing. Yeah. These guys are artists. Yeah, they, they they're are. not. They're not hard gangsters. He was in the Air Force, got out of the Air Force. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, honorably yeah. discharged. I mean, he served with honor. <laughs> um, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And gets out that and right, <laughs> yeah. right to cop killer. These guys were a lot deeper than than just. They weren't street thugs, I guess is my point. No, not at all. Although Snoop, Snoop served time for Snoop cocaine. Got in trouble. Snoop got trouble. It got um, actually. I think they started to try to get people with a little more verisimilitude later yeah. in the gangster rap. I think like, that's what he was doing. Like yeah. Tupac, not so much. Tupac was an actor. Tupac went to Juilliard for yeah. crying out loud. Um, but uh, like Fifty Cent. Yeah, Fifty Cent. You know? And yeah. actually, the East Coast guys tended to be a little harder. Yeah, that's true. If you read about their, their backgrounds, they yeah. were a little bit more legit. Right. Um, Ice-T, is he East or he's... I don't know what... It, I think he was... No, I think he's West Coast, but because I, I yeah, right? he settles L.A. Yeah. yeah. I associate him with New York, I think, because of law and order. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, I think he's in L.A. Yeah. yeah. So that's funny. Um, oh, yeah, there was a funny story. So I was, 
I was sitting in class one day in high school, yeah. and I just kind of had these lyrics going through my head. And for year, you know, for like a year, however long it'd been since the album was out, I thought there was this line where the guy was like, "See you, and then be do you am or something," and I couldn't figure out what it meant. And I was going over to my head, and suddenly it just clicked. I was like, "Oh, C O M P T O N." He's spelling Compton, and I said it out loud. And this kid sitting next to me was—I like, still remember—he and I looked at each other. We were like. C-O-M-P-T-O-N spells Compton. <laughs> we were like, because so like, both of us have been trying to figure what out that a, lyric. What for. is a D-O-double-G? D-O-double-G, I think I always you, you understood you got that, that one. one yeah. All right. We were, uh, so yeah, like I said, these lyrics used to go through my head all the time. And there was this one day, we went on a school trip up to New York, and my buddy and I were in our hotel room. And I started, we started doing the bit that's like, so Dre, what up, dog? Got to give them what they want. What's that, G? Got to break them off something. You know that bit? Uh -huh. So we started doing that, and we go through you know, five or six stanzas of it, and somehow we linked back to the beginning because I think we forgot a line, and we went back to So Dre, and we were like laughing. We did it again, and then we went back again, and we ended up doing it five or six times. Each time we did it, we were getting louder and louder <laughs> and louder. So we were yelling the lyrics to this song in our hotel room to the point where some, the guy next door bangs on the wall <laughs> tells us to shut up. Like, we were really into it. Did so. you ever get to the easy part? I think I, we had to go get the CD and be okay. like, oh, okay, that's, okay, where, that's, we, yeah. that's where we missed it. Yeah. We, we, we dropped the line there. So, yeah, what, right. what's, what do you know about the easy e beef? Yeah, it was the whole, when he, the exit from NWA. Right. Um, from what I understand, easy e I don't know, it says it was some type of financial easy dispute. E, easy e easy e can eat right. a big fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, he could eat a big fat. All so, right. But uh, how come you always stop me at the good part? I know. Uh, but, uh, yes. Yeah, so My kid listens to this podcast. So <laughs> we got to keep it clean. Some kind of financial disagreement. is, And I think it had to do with management or something like that. Okay. Like, Easy e wanted to keep the management. I think um, Dre wanted to dump them and maybe go, you know, go on their own or something. And uh, so they, they split. Um uh, I guess they're fine now. Um, you know, years afterwards, everybody's because I mean, they all have a lot of money and uh -huh. doing well. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's as far as I as far as I know. Huh. The rest of the you know what was funny is well, they really hate those guys on this album. I mean, yeah. Well, this was this was right after. This is within two years. So of did they not leaving. hate Ice Cube? I don't remember hearing anything. Yeah, he mentions Ice Cube yeah. in this one too, doesn't he? He, he I think he goes on all of them. He, yeah, I throughout think so. in the CD. I think he, so. He eventually insults everybody. That doesn't age well, by the way, guys. Don't do that on that one. <laughs> right? People look back and they say, hey, you're yeah. kind of petty. You eventually. Know? It's, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to look cool when you're trashing people. and you know. But they were young, right? How old would Dre have been? It's almost 30 years old, this album. Jesus. As Crazy. of next year, this will be so, a 30-year-old uh, album. He That's was right. 27. He would have been 27. He was born in 65, I think. So is that right? Okay. Is the math right there? Mm, yep. Okay. The so, math is right. I don't know if the facts are right. Well, 92 and then 65, yeah. so... No, that, yeah, that yeah. part, definitely. But he'd been, I mean, he'd been performing since he was like 18. Uh -huh. um, he'd been do doing this for a long time. I think he was a DJ first and at a club or something like that. And then eventually get it, got into kind of producing and, right. and you know, NWA and the whole thing. But, um, so it took him a while to finally kind of go solo, yeah. right? I mean, it, and then it took him a while to come back and do solo because he didn't, he didn't do another album, solo album, until like 2000, I think. He did, so, and he oh, did, did some, he? Uh, what was the one I was, there was one that I was trying to remember, um, Keep Their Heads Ringing, which yeah, was on yeah, the yeah, Friday soundtrack. Right. Yeah. Like he did some things. Oh, so, I think yeah, he that's had, true. I think he had no. a bad album that didn't go, didn't hit okay. in the mid-90s. And then 2001, uh, that album yeah. called 2001, that right. one's awesome. That, yeah. one's, that one's as good as this one. But he was busy. Like, he I, was, think, he I think was busy that could be considered a classic album. And that introduces Eminem. Right. At least introduced him. Well, maybe he was already around. Maybe that first Marshall Mathers 
but came he, out before. He like produced, anyway. I think, Mary J. In the interim, yeah. like Mary J. Bly. Yeah, he's involved um, in a whole bunch of stuff. Obviously Snoop. Right. Um, so there's, yeah, tons of people that he yeah. produced for. He's been in the lab and with a pen and a pad trying to get this damn label off. <laughs> That's right. So That's right. It's important work also. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, so it, it was, uh, it's enjoyable. You know, I, I enjoyed. It's fun stuff, yeah, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of laid back. It's kind of chill. It's good. Laid back. Laid back. Is that I, on this album or is that on Snoop? That's on Snoop. That's Dune yeah. Juice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard a, uh, like a live um, white guy rock band cover of Gin and Juice. Yeah. It, it super works, actually. It's Does pretty, it? Yeah, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. Well, because like we said, there's the actual instruments on yeah. these albums. And so I've heard a jazz version of it. And, uh, and it worked. That, yeah, and it I worked. can hear that. You know, yeah. Speaking of jazz, by good. the way, I was going to mention that. So I think, you know how they have that jazz flute? Yeah. I think one of the things that makes, and especially Snoop, that makes his rap strong is that he syncopates in a way that the people didn't used to do. Like mm-hmm. like uh, Will Smith yeah. didn't do that. Right. They were just like singing. They were like... Well, they're, um, they're, they're rhyming... Talking. They're just rhyming, yeah. and they kind of yeah. have this sing-song equality to the yeah. rap that's crap when you go back and look at it. <laughs> There's but a, Snoop is like— Blond- Blondie tried rapping. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you get to your point. Blondie—, Blondie Okay, so Debbie, rapping, Debbie Harry like, thinks she invented Like rap. 1982 or something. She thought and that she was so the first person— horrible. Yes, yes. God, it's, really it's so bad. horrible. But it's that la, 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 yeah. la, la, yeah. la, la. <laughs> then he goes yeah. past the van, and it was a big van, and he was a man with a yeah. van. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Lord, stop. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. go ahead. I'm sorry. Man, you must be far into that 40 if we're singing already. It's <laughs> pretty good. But, uh, yeah, uh, so what you were saying about Snoop. Yeah, Snoop. Yeah, I was just saying the way he syncopates that, yeah. and the way yeah. the way his flow is just different than anything before it. It's really right. good. You could tell uh, Dre is, like, like you said, he didn't write his own rap, which I was surprised by, but. I think Dre cut lightning in a bottle with getting Snoop right. on this album. I mean, he's just really talented. Well, then he did it again with Eminem because Eminem's yeah. kind of he does that same thing. He, oh, he raps in a way that nobody else. And he raps did. faster. Yeah. And so, okay, so to play devil's advocate about my position that he was the white face of rap and that's why he's popular, he actually raps about things that would appeal to lower class white people yeah. in a way that um, I don't think would be on an African American right. artist's album. Like he's talking about pills and like depression and stuff like that about eight mile right i mean yeah but but that appeals to people in the trailer park i'm saying like people that have different problems than you have if you're in a in the projects you know it's just different tried to find his trailer by the way what's that we tried to find his trailer by the way when we went to eminem's trailer yeah it was in detroit we tried to find the trailer i think he moved around a lot well it was it was destroyed the trailer park was no Uh, longer there so that's too bad um but we tried we did maybe it's too bad i don't know did you know we have a friend that bought a trailer park really yeah yeah, why? I was, I, it was like flabbergasted when I heard why that. Why would they, like, why would they buy? Is that an investment or something? Or I think so. I think so. I mean, I guess maybe there's money in that. I don't know. Is this the widest conversation ever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're like trailer park. Like, yeah. By the way, I have a by friend. I've got my pinky in the air <laughs> while drinking my 40. Yeah, I have a friend who say, purchased, have slug purchased your, a trailer park. Off 40, yeah. yeah. So, no, we do have those here. So, yeah. So Interesting. Wow. So, speaking of not understanding the lyrics. Mm-hmm. There's a, the intro, what is it from? I think it's from Let Me Ride. There's yeah. an intro with this Jamaican lady doing a patois. Yeah. And I remember l- writing it. So I did this with Greedo's speech in Star Wars. I wrote it down so I could try to like learn all Figure the words. What it, what it was, I yeah. did the same thing with this, and I still know it by heart. I have no idea what she's saying. Yeah. It's, it's like such, it's the thickest <laughs> patois I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And I, like I told you before, I grew up with a guy who's Jamaican. His, his grandmother spoke patois around the house. I could not understand. <laughs> Give it to her to translate. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I did ask her a couple of times. I'd be like, right. what, what do they mean by this? What do they mean by that? Why yeah. do they say one time so many times? <laughs> She's like, well, that's how you introduce a story. I was like, oh, okay. Things like that. I get a little yeah. fact. So, You want to hear an embarrassing story? Sure. So 
Yeah, I, I almost purchased today a 211 steel reserve. Okay. It was one of my considerations, but it comes today in plastic bottles. Really? I actually walked to the oh. counter before I realized it was a plastic bottle, and I was like, uh, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. So I went back, put that back. Anyway, so I was in Seattle. Um, my, my friend's sister had friends there. We went to stay with these people that lived there. Um, one of the girls in the house was like a dancer at Sugar's. I mean, it was a pretty sketchy place wow. where we were staying. So, yeah. um, so we, went, we, uh, we went to go out and like buy some beer, and these guys were like, I got into the car, and this guy was like, you guys down with 211? You down with 211? Like talking to his friends, like you down with 211? And I was like, I was thinking, I was like, wait, I didn't know what 211 Steel Reserve was. So I was like, on Dr. Dre's album, 211 means an armed robbery. <laughs> and I was like, these guys are going to jack us. Oh my us. God. So I said to my friend, I'm like, we got to get out of the car. He's like, what? I'm like, we got to get out of the car. And he's like, what? And I jumped out the car and ran home. <laughs> oh, and left my buddy in the car. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> like, uh, I may have possibly had some paranoia-inducing chemicals in my body at the time. Oh, Lord. So was, um, it wasn't great. fully like my yeah. personality, but it was pretty pretty. Ridiculous. I've never done anything so that It was really that stupid. Embarrassing. It was really stupid, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> and I told them, like, they got back, and I, I told them why I did it, because I kind of thought you're about the, it a little you're bit. You're the only one without beer. And they were like, oh, point. no, this is going to be a 187. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, all right. Fair enough. That's awesome. I deserve getting the piss taken out yeah. of me for that. So. What Mickey's Big Mouth? Remember mm-hmm. those? Yeah, I remember a guy drinking make the green bottles. Yeah, the green bottles. Yeah. I remember somebody having those at a high school party one mm-hmm. time. It's kind of similar. So are we are we getting towards uh, yeah, talking about so. whether or not we're going to toast this classic? I think so. It's on me. It's right? on you. It's on what? you. So why don't you uh, convince me? Lobby. Uh, I don't think I need to. I think Dre's beats will convince you. <laughs> I think Snoop's flow will convince you. I think the the gigantic influences that this has had. Yeah. The fact that two white guys can sit here talking about rap is because of this album. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dre's a billionaire now, correct? Because of, I would not be surprised. I, I think he sold Beats to Apple. Anybody who's involved with Eminem from the ground up right. is going to be a billionaire. But I think he, his his company Beats oh, yeah, by Dre. Beats, right. That's I think true. he sold it to That's Apple. That's probably where he made most of his money. I think yeah. He, yeah, and I think he made his money there. So I think he's he is legitimately a billionaire. So that alone's got to mean something. Good for him. I think you know. I think um, I will toast this. I will toast this. Oh, right. I mean, the influence is just unbeatable. Yeah. You, you can't. You know, we were talking about Akira, and we're saying, oh, it influenced like the Matrix, like right. this one part. Right. And, and right. there's things that you can point at. But this is like every I mean, it changed rap music. It changed sure. music. Sure. Um, and then he produced so many, went on to produce mm-hmm. so many. Yeah, uh, um, definitely. Amazing, amazing talents. It's kind of like Akira because we can situate it with a whole bunch of influences going into this. Right. And then a whole bunch coming Come out, out of it. Yeah, to me, exactly. that's that belongs in the canon. Right. Like if you're learning about music, you got to throw this album. I out think there, so. so. Yeah, I think so. And I, I'm glad you picked this. I wouldn't pick this because I, again, okay. rap's not, not really my milieu. Yeah. So to speak. And, and, uh, well, it's definitely uh, not my milieu. <laughs> definitely. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever, I actually was at a show where the beastie boys played yeah. one time, but otherwise I'm not sure I've been to a rap show. I've never, cause I don't to, yeah. wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd be standing there awkwardly, not knowing <laughs> right. to do with my hands. And, I do know. that most of the time anyway. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I'm mostly like. Right. But so. I mean, you know, this, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's a fun, good album. Um, yeah. Great music, uh, you know, amazing, just amazing talent all the way around. You could hear Snoop for the first time. Yep. yep. I'm from, and I'm actually familiar with Snoop's record oof. more than, than this one. What's that? His oof. Yeah, his oof. I'm, I'm actually familiar with that one more than this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, just, yeah, me too. I like that one also. That yeah. was a big one. And uh, We used to listen to um, that one got Chronic. A lot of we used rotation, to man. play Doggy Style, and we used to play Black Street. 
Yeah. And I remember my buddy and I would like have a couple of beers and play darts and just put those tracks right. on all night. Well, and that's the one that MTV wrote, you know, had on all the time. Yeah. Was was uh, Snoop, Snoop Doggy Dog better get himself a doggy job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then you know going into Friday and, and everything else. I was gonna say before we before we move on, the '90s had a lot of like urban culture based movies like uh Ju- was it uh yeah boys in the hood right boys in the hood yeah, boys in the and hood, then yeah. uh, i think juice was juice. There one called juice yeah. and new jack city new jack city yeah that was it i think in my favorite uh-huh. out of all those movies and it's not a serious movie is friday i Fr- love yeah fridays that movie. fridays i mean i really like boys in the hood yeah. i've probably seen 30 or 40 times yeah. but friday was like almost like a spoof yeah but sort of a little bit more serious ice cube could act yeah, he Who was great. Thought, yeah, right? he's great. Yeah, he's, I love him. He's yeah. he's one of my like favorite people. Yeah. Like I love the transition yeah. he made. <laughs> there's this uh, there's this meme and it's a picture of him from NWA right. looking all like, you know, snarling yeah, at camera. It's like first I was like and then there's a picture of him from like the movie where he takes his kids camping. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's like Are we there and yet? then I was yeah. all <laughs> Are we there yet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So but you know, God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Make some money, man. Enjoy life. Yeah, you know? it's fantastic. So anyway, I will I will definitely toast this. I think it's an amazing album. I'm so glad you d- you suggested it. Good. Um, Good. That's part of the point of this, right? Is to right. sort of edify ourselves and I will say that I bought this album twice. Hmm. Um my son saw my my playlist. Okay. And uh, on George Carlin's um, "It's Bad for You" album, there's a one of the tracks is called "Old F Word." Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, okay. And it's not like asterisked out or anything. Yeah. So my son goes, "Daddy, you have a bad word in your playlist." Oh yeah, I get that all the and time. I was like, ah. So I initially tried. Oh, that's actually so, something I wanted to so mention. So I, I initially uh, I I downloaded the um, clean version. Okay. You can't understand it. No, that's no fun. <laughs> Absolutely that at all. That is no fun. There, every other word is. I is, knew a lot of the Snoop clean version. Breakdown, yeah. I had the clean version of Snoop uh-huh. uh, and the clean version of Ice Cube's Predator. Okay. I had both of those in clean. I bought I bought Predator at Target, and so it was like it was like the, the definitely clean, clean version of yeah. it. So, no, what I, I was going to say this before, and I didn't get it, I didn't get to it, but. So I listen to some hip hop in uh-huh. the car sometimes, yeah. and the kids hear it, and they're always like, "Daddy, bad word." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, you know, don't repeat right. it, whatever." Right. But the one that I really had to t- talk with is the N word. Yes, prevalent in a lot of that. that. So I had true. to, I had to like literally like pause and be like, "Okay, that's the worst word in the English language. Right. I don't ever want to hear that word. I don't not. I mean, I would assume they would never use right. that word. I don't. If somebody uses that word, mm. you stop hanging out with that person. That's right. how bad right. that word is. And then, okay, so fine." So a couple of weeks later, my son's like, so that's the worst word in the English language, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, then why do African-Americans say it? So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. I was like, buddy. That, that's a totally different that's conversation. That's their decision. Yeah, that's <laughs> and that has nothing to do with though. you. Yeah. The point is, don't right. you ever don't you ever say it. Right. So I just thought so it was kind of funny because yeah. like, I was like, oh, he's got me. That's he's got good, me in a corner. I'm going to have to work my way out of this. It's a good discussion. He's got yeah. a good point. So yeah. anyway, so we're toasting it, right? Yeah, we are toasting it. So okay, here's to. Here we go. Here's a clank. Or a clunk. Clunk. Drink up. And uh, next on the list is, what are we going next on the time? list is, we, we had, I was waiting on your word, because the next thing, this was free choice, the next thing is mm-hmm. a book. So. So the book that I have chosen is. Uh, we're going on location for the next We are book. going on location. Right. So uh, Dave, Dave leads a, leads a really rough life, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I do. I do. With his Harry Potter shirt on. Yes. He, um, yes. Drinking his, his 40. Harry Potter shirt is hilarious, by the way, because yeah. it's, it's a picture of Hermione. 
and she's saying it's mimosa, not mimosa. So not only does, he, ha- does he have a Harry Potter flute. shirt <laughs> with Hermione, yeah, it's about mimosas. So there, there's right. a lot of cultural tags there. There are. For, for there are. Yep. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so Dave is going to be in Hawaii for for about three weeks, I think, three or four weeks. Yep. So we are going on location, and we'll be doing it uh, via Zoom again. Yep. And I am choosing, in honor of that, Mark Twain's Letters from Hawaii. Oh, that's a great choice. So, it's going to uh, be fun. Mark Twain was a, was a reporter for the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, and they assigned him, and I wish I could get an assignment like this, they assigned him to Hawaii. Yeah. So he lived there for about six months, I believe, and you know would file a story, I think, weekly, and these were his columns, essentially. So these are his newspaper columns. Yeah. Um, published yeah I don't want to give Chronicle. away a lot, but I think he's one of the first Europeans to describe surfing. Uh, one of the first, first Americans, uh, Americans. Anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, so. he, there's, there's a lot in there because you'll, you'll. I mean, he talks about Honolulu, what it looks like, and everything else. So it's, it's travel, yep. travel literature is where is how it's kind of classified. It's probably um, technically should be free choice, mm-hmm. travel literature, nonfiction. But right. you know, considering that I'm the one screwing things up for us, <laughs> right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look the other way on this. I one, appreciate so. that. We considered the James Missioner a uh, tome, Ugh, Hawaii. Yeah. But uh, I have read nothing good about it. Right. So Same here. I don't. Uh, so know, I think this is this is a good twelve thousand pages. So this is this will be fun. So yeah. that's uh, that's on on round for for us next time. So yep. and we haven't decided what the drink will be, um, mm, but we'll maybe Kona something with an umbrella in it. Maybe perhaps. maybe maybe Kona's too easy. Kona's too easy. Yeah, it's the wrong island. I'm going to be on Kauai the whole time. So poor poor thing. Yeah, I know it's rough. It's a rough so, life. Well, thanks for joining us on uh, this episode of Toasting Classics, and we will see you next time. Next time. Peace out. That's it for episode 12 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some Chablis and a non-alcoholic beer for next week's episode, where we'll be discussing Philip K. Dick's 1968 novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? The inspiration for the film Blade Runner. If you'd like to get in touch, Send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, your comments and complaints, whatever. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at at reactivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics. ¶¶